0: The background of what I want to talk to you about today is this, that the people of Israel had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. That's a long time to be in slavery, isn't it? I mean, that really is a long time to be enslaved, and the Bible tells us that they were enslaved for 400 years, and a long time for a people and a history to be one of slavery. God sent Moses with a message to tell the people that he had future plans for them, He said, hey, I've got future plans for you. I want to talk to you about that. There's something that he has in mind for them that's better than slavery, better than poverty, and it's a place of promise, and it's a place of possibility that God is saying, I want to lead you to, a a place where they could pioneer. I want to encourage you today that uh, as we come to the end of this series on Born for Greatness, that you would begin to think that way as well that you and I are born for greatness, and God wants us to pioneer for his kingdom and his glory. Amen? He wants us to pioneer for his kingdom and his glory and all that he's doing. And so he's telling them this. He says, build your, you're going to build your own homes, and you're going to dream your own dreams. And, and uh, inside of that, I just want to ask you today, is there anybody that you've ever felt like the current conditions aren't your permanent conditions? How many of you are with me today? that the condition you are at right now is not where you will be even in another week or in another year. Like, this is not where you're going to stay, amen? That's what I'm talking about, that God is something better for you. God is something beyond where you and I are right now. And I wanna talk to you today about fighting for your future, fighting for your future. Numbers chapter 13, if you'll go there with me, and you'll look in verse one. And the Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. And a few verses later, Moses gathers, he gathers the leaders of the tribes, and that this is what he began to do. He tells them, hey, you, I want you to go explore the land that God has promised to us, and I want you to bring back a report. I want you to bring back a report after you go see them about the people who live there, uh, about their cities, is it good or bad, Uh, what kind of towns do they live in, Are they unwalled or are they fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are are there trees in it or not? And this right here you have to understand begins to speak to their future, that there is something beyond where they are at currently and what they can see. And he says, do your best to bring some of the fruit of the land. So the spies did that. They returned 40 days later with a report, and they brought back a cluster of grapes, and the Bible describes the cluster of grapes that they brought back from the land that was so huge and so weighty that they had to carry it between two poles, between two men, and it rested on their shoulders. Now, that is some big grapes. i many of you know I'm talking about? That is some large grapes, and let me tell you something. I couldn't find a cluster of grapes that size. I went to Martin's, I went to Walmart, I couldn't find them that big. So you got to have to use your imagination today. And so as an example, they said, you know what, we're going to go in there. Their conversation was kind of like, hey, Moses, hey, big Mo, hey, check this out. First, the good news. This is we brought back some grapes so that you can see them and see the fruitfulness of the land. How good it is, how all the possibilities are, and the potential that is huge. Then Moses knew there was some not so good news, and that is the people who live there are powerful, and they don't even want us to be in the land. They're so powerful, we went in, and they don't want us to be there. Their cities are large, they are walled, and there are also giants. There are grapes in the land, but there are also giants in the land. So I want you this weekend to look at this report of these spies and the report that they gave Moses as a parallel and an analogy of your future that it parallels with our life in the future. The good news is God has some grapes. There's more grapes than you can imagine, even planned for in your life. And this one verse we have used throughout this series, and you've seen it on the video, and it goes like this. And that we would not take it lightly as we look at it again of Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares who? The Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you and plans to give you hope. And plans to give you a future. I want you to know this. When God has a plan, it's always a better plan. Amen? How many of you are with me today? When God has a plan for your life, it is always a better plan than where you are at right now. So God has great plans. He has good plans. Somebody shout good plans. God has opportunities that he's preparing for you. And you and I are going to have to watch for them. Things that you don't even know about that are in the works. you know that there's things in the works that are going on in your life right now as you have dedicated your life to the Lord that are good things? There are good things happening that you can't even see and you and I don't even know about because we're not privy to that, but God is because he's infinite and he knows. Plans like, you know, over the mountain, like, hey, yeah, you know, around us we got some mountains, right? And you and I can't see over them right now, but it's going to take us going and going and looking and seeing, hey, we're going to have to do something to look over the mountain. And there's, there's opportunities through the valley here that we go through, but we can't see all of them right now. But it's going to take us going through the valleys. Those are spiritual and physical things we talk about. Plan to meet the right people in the right place at the right time. That's a good thing. Amen. That is why it is important to know that we are on the path that God has planned for us. That's why you want to be on the path because The plan is on the path. The plan is not on every path. The plan is on the path that God chooses for us. How many of you know that every path is not God's path? Are you with me? Every path, and some of you might not be on the right path today, but I hope by the time we get to the end of this service that you will realize maybe you're not on the right path and you're going to get on the right path. And God's going to jostle you and maybe provoke you in these next few moments. He says this in Psalm 25, verse 4, show me the right path. Why does he say that? Well, because he wants to be on the right path. He doesn't want to be on the wrong one. It says, point out the road for me to follow because the plan is on the path. The plan is on the path. Say that with me. The plan is on the path, and that's the right path of God. That's his path. Now, the not-so-good news is we know it says there's giants in the land of grapes. And if you want grapes, you have to face some giants. How many of you know that to be true in your life? If you want the good stuff and you want the grapes, you and I are going to have to face some giants. And so this is where everyone has to make a decision that's here. Maybe you're 12 years of age. Maybe you're younger. Maybe you're 22 today. Maybe you're 35, 46, 54, 67, 77, 77. 89, 91, 92, 99, everybody has to make a decision, and that decision is that I am not going to sit back and let life happen to me, or I am going to have to fight for my future that God has for me. Amen? Let's continue in the story, verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron, and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There. They reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. Showed them. They gave Moses this account. They went into the land to which you sent us. We went there and it does flow with milk and honey! Exclamation point! It flows with milk and honey. I just can you can you just do that because this is an exclamation point. So so they filled with milk and honey and we can. No, when you read scripture, you should read it like it's, you know, you should have that exclamation. It's filled with milk and honey. Let's try that. It's filled with milk and honey. Yes. Woo. How many of you love honey? Yes, milk and honey. Here, it says, here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified. They are very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Look at verse 30. Caleb stood up. He stood up. In other words, a lot of people are getting caught up with the giants and the opposition. Ooh, wow. Then Caleb silenced the people. He stood up. He silenced them before Moses and says, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Caleb was saying, our future is worth fighting for. And I know, you look at this, you're saying, I know it's true, but our future, you have to understand, I know with all the rest of you that if you went with me in there, and, and uh, that you have to understand that our future is worth fighting for, and verse 31 was the other voice in the other men who went up. But the men who had gone up said, we can't attack those people, they're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. And verse 33 is a very sad verse amongst this portion of Scripture. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Wow. That we seem so small and so insignificant that there is no way. We are no match for the challenge, and we are no match for the giant. There is great adversity if we go there. Like when we say, you've said it, I've said it, I'm as cold as ice. That's a similitude, right? They said, we seemed like grasshoppers. Think of how low they were talking about themselves and describing themselves. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Wow, even though they are on the border of something better, the majority made the choice to stay in the wilderness rather than fight for the future that God had planned for them. The majority of them never experienced the promised land. And I don't want you to pass this by. Because you've probably heard this preached on many, many times, but we pass by this. The majority of those people never made it to the promised land. What? It's crazy. One of the big mistakes people make is to assume that if God wants me to have something, I won't have to fight for it. That thinking is pervasive in our world and that thinking is pervasive many times in believers and churches. That if God wants me to have something, he's just gonna give it to me. And what happens is we get the sovereignty of God intermixed with our life. We think, well, you know, God's sovereign. He's gonna do what he wants to do. Well, God can do what he wants and when he wants, he is sovereign. But we have to realize we have a part to play in our future with God's help. Like inside of that, Somebody's forgetting about Jesus who was on his way to his assignment to become the salvation of mankind when he went to the garden and he sweated like great drops of blood, that he had to fight every single step of the way. You and I have a path to greatness, but you and I will have to fight for it. If you're with me, say yes today. Not whatever happens is the will of God. You ever heard that? Well, whatever happens is the will of God. See, that thinking and mindset is very pervasive in our world, especially, I said, as believers. Let me tell you something. No, it's not. There are many things that are going on in our nation, in the nations of the earth, in our city, in our homes, and on our campuses that is not God's will. Amen? That is not what God intended, and that is not his desire that there's things going on in your family or your neighborhood. It's not what God wants. But there is something better that God wants for humanity. And he tells us you have to fight for your future. And so we need to pull the plug on that ideology in our life. We need to pull the plug on it and say, hey, that is not God's will and God's direction. We're here to walk out the will of God, and we are here to fight for the will of God in our lives and in our homes and in our city and in our nation day after day after day. That thought, when it becomes pervasive in us, causes some to lay down their intensity and to lose their passion and set aside that scrappy spirit, if you will, as Christians, that scrappy spirit that won't let go, that you're gonna stay in the the battle and and that you're not gonna miss out on the plan that God has for you. Like, you encounter a problem. See, every person alive encounters problems, right? Some of you in this room, you're encountering a problem right, uh, right now. Some of you, and some people, what happens is they encounter a problem, they become bitter. And unforgiveness gets you off the path, the right path. Isn't that true? Bitterness gets you off the right path. And if you're gonna stay on the path you and I can't hang on to unforgiveness, can we? We have to forgive so that we can stay on the right path and stay on the plan that God has for us. See, there's, there's this self-imposed limitations that we put on ourselves more than anybody else, don't we? That there's self-imposed limitations every single day. We put on ourselves of why we can't, why we shouldn't go forward and fight for our future. I want you to know this, is that the fight for your future is more internal than it is external. The greatest enemies, many times, are how you see yourself compared to the giants in your life. And what happens is it's a distorted view. And when, and by doing that, you and I exclude ourselves and underestimate ourselves, and we begin to doubt ourselves and ultimately disqualify ourselves from the future that God offers to us. I struggle with this more than about anything else. That internally the dialogue in me sometimes is a very distorted view where I have to come realize based on God's word and his truth that that is not the right thinking in it and bring my life back into alignment with God's word. And so I realize that in the internal dialogue has made me feel small, and I have to fight that distorted thinking every day of my life. But I have realized that my shrinking doesn't make God bigger. Amen? How many of you know your shrinking back doesn't make God any bigger? Is that true? Are you with me, church? Speak back to me. Holla back. Holla, holla, holla. Yeah. Right? Hiding your life doesn't make God brighter. Right? Your life in hiding doesn't make God any brighter. Well, God's as bright as he should be. Yes, but you and I are called to flesh that out. What does that look like for humanity that sees you and me and knows we're believers? What does that mean, right? And so we realize that the psalmist said, the Lord is my strength and my shield, chapter 28, verse 7, psalm. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. Why does he say that? Because he knew that God created him and that God doesn't sponsor flops. Are you with me? God doesn't sponsor flops. Never has and never will. So true. He doesn't create people and not empower them to do his will. We've been talking about that through this series is that we're not saying this born for greatness is because I was born and I'm great. No, the born for greatness understanding is we are born into this earth and we need God to accomplish and help us fight for our futures because we are born for greatness. That we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit at every single moment of every single day in our lives. Amen. We need that empowerment. We can't do it without him, you know, and i to talk about that in just a moment. But he says, he says, listen, the greatest enemy, as we realize many times, what I should say here is say, the, the greatest enemy uh, is not the loss of a job or, or financial setback or relationship that went bad or a personal failure. Those are a lot of the things that people fear. The greatest enemy is not that event. The greatest enemy is how you see yourself when that happens to you. But you know this, that when you engage in battle for the things that God puts in your heart, God's put something in your heart, that you're just not fighting for you, you're fighting for everybody else around you, that, that you're fighting for your children, and, and that spills over into our neighborhoods, and that spills over into our cities, and into our workplace and into our campuses and on and on and on, that, that you're fighting for more than just you, you're fighting for your children's children. That it's not just about you. I want you to have that balance that, that sometimes we make it all about us. It's not all about us, but listen, having a vision doesn't mean to th- just think big, it means thinking long-term, amen? Amen? This is what God is trying to show them through Moses, their leader. This is more than just thinking big. Go find me the biggest grape you can find over there. Go check out the land. Go see if it's fertile or is it dead or is it barren or whatever it may be. He's saying, listen, your future is in where you can't see right now. So my fight for you today is that I come and bring the word and live that every day and stay on the right path. That's my heart. And then for the next generation and every day I show up, I'm, I'm called to commit myself to that path. And how many of you know that I, I don't do it all right? Don't raise your hand on that, but I don't. I have three kids that I'm fighting for and I'm waiting for grandchildren. Hint, hint, Ben and Claire. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> We're waiting for grandchildren, so children's children, so love them. It will happen. But I've made up my mind that I'm not going to sit in the bleachers and check out and get an RV and ride around the nation just to look at all the good sites for the rest of my life. Right? Now, I'm okay with vacation. Some of you are like, oh, he's a vacation hater. No, I'm not. You need rest. But some of just check themselves out. I'm just going to sit in the bleachers. feels good. feels great. But we have to realize that it's not just about you but that you and I are called to stay on the right path. That you realize that your future is happening through you. Now, today, this moment, your future is happening through you. Don't count yourself small. And if you have that grasshopper thing going on, I hope you leave here today with a different, a different mentality. And if you look at this story, you will see everyone who, that had this grasshopper mentality, they stayed where they were and they wandered around in the wilderness, the grasshopper. And two guys are there, Joshua and Caleb, who said, you know, we're not even gonna think the way you're thinking. We can certainly do this. Those two guys lived to see the day where they would walk into the land full of grapes and they walked on the soil where they would build homes and they would plant crops and they would see the next generation blessed and free in Jesus' name. The Bible said in verse 24, they had a different spirit. What type of spirit? A different spirit. So what does that mean? Well, here's a few amongst the many, but here's what they are. And if you're taking notes, it's a mindset that says, we're not going to say no to God's opportunities. That's a different spirit, right? Right? Well, everybody else around me is saying, no, I'm not. no. We're, we have a different spirit, so, so I'm not going to say no to the opportunities that God has for me. There's opportunities in your life right now that God's saying, don't say no to that. Don't say no. Also, you can't wait around to do all you could do if you're waiting for the crowd to get their courage. Woo, that will preach in America. These are, these are things we need to teach our kids. If you're waiting around to get your courage, because you're, you're waiting for the crowd to nod their head, oh, you are so good. It's probably not going to happen. Right? If you're waiting for that opportunity, I will tell you, it probably won't happen. It probably won't. You're waiting for the opportunity for everybody to clap, put your name in the lights, get titles on the front or the back or the middle, whatever it may be, it's probably not going to happen. See, that's a different spirit, that there's going to have to come a time where that you're, you, you want to do what God wants you to do. And then the different spirit also means I don't want to let God down rather than let people down. I don't want to let God down. Have I let God down? Yes. So have you. But I don't want to let God down. And so that means that, that, that you realize that you and I are going to have to turn our backs on the crowd sometimes because we'd rather please God than man. Amen? That's a different spirit. God, you said this was going to happen, and so I'm banking on it. It's going to take place. What am I saying? Don't fake a different spirit. Find it. You're going to have to find the different spirit. Don't, don't fake it. Find it in God. And so if you live with a different spirit while you are on this earth, when you and I are done and, and we are taken from this earth and we are in the presence of the Lord at that moment of death, when that takes place, that you will know that you had a different spirit when you look God in the face and he says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter now into your rest. That's, it's gonna take a different spirit to enter that, right? Take a different spirit down here on the earth. So, and I love how scripture continues to give us encouragement of Psalm 18, 29. For by you, I can run against a troop, and not you is God, and by my who? God, I can leap over a wall. God can empower you to do what seems impossible by God. And here's the last point that I wanna talk about is this. Doing is fighting. Can you say that with me? Doing is fighting. Doing is fighting. Here's my point. You're not fighting by knowing what to do. You're not fighting by having a head full of knowledge. You're not fighting. But it is in your doing that you are fighting. That, oh, oh, well, you know, hey, I know how to go out of war and I know how to do this. I studied all the w- rules of war and the strategy. And all. Well, knowledge is one thing, but doing is another. And fighting and entering into the battle is another thing. Doing is fighting. So my question is today, are there things that you know to do that you've put off doing and now you are stuck where you are? Are there things that you know to do, that you've put off doing, and now you're stuck where you are? Are you the person that I could be speaking to today? You may not even know me. You came in and you said, this guy's crazy. He claps his hands. He walks around, you know, I don't know, this church, you know, and, and all that. But, but, but could you be the person today that really this speaks to your heart and you've experienced some wilderness? Are you that person on the border of something better who has avoided taking the next step forward, right on the border, right there. Are you uh, the ones, uh, maybe you're here today, that this message was carved out for you by God, that he says, listen, I want to speak this word to you. Would you respond to the Lord this morning by finding that different spirit in God and begin to fight for God's best? To make a choice to actually fight, not just have the knowledge of what God wants you to do. The best things in life are from commitment, right? That you're committing and then doing it. Your best life, your greatest life comes from committing. And when you get committed, you give birth to the best things, right? That your future and your family's future is being shaped right now, at this moment. No, I I know that you said, no, don't bring that on me. No, I'm telling you, this is urgent. Your future and your family's future is being shaped right now, at this moment. What are you doing about your future? What is it that God is saying to you now? For some, they come in, we use these chairs as in and out chairs. I'm in and I'm out. We've got the knowledge, but then many times we don't use it, right? So we're an in in-and-out chair. I come in, I sit down, I get the word, I leave. I'm not engaged. Where, when this church has wonderful opportunities that we've opened up to our students and our children, and, and then to our men and our women and our young adults and our adults of every age, there's opportunities here to help you grow and help you minister. Like, like at this moment, right here at this campus and, and our Clearbrook campus, that there are our teachers and uh, there are leaders back there that are ministering to your children that are giving their very best because they, they care about it. And this isn't a glorified babysitting service because we got better things. You got better things to send your kids to at this moment, even though in this moment, parents you feel like you're getting your sanity back I know how that goes but uh, uh, you need to get your sanity back But, but you have to realize there are people in this church that are fighting for your future with you and we just need people to stand up and come alongside it and keep moving and keep doing it and keep going for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ the knowledge won't save you the doing is the fighting the doing is in the battle The doing is knowing what God has called you to live in and called you to do and to live that out as hard and as uncomfortable as that is every single day. Thus we have in the New Testament the book of Acts that says, act on my words, act on the voice and the teachings of the apostles in the New Testament. Thus go out, act on it, action, 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 it's a verb. Act, go and so Joshua, one of the stars of the story, said in Joshua chapter 24, says to a bunch of people, if serving, we've heard this so many times, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, we speak this into your spirit. If you're here today and serving the Lord, just use it now. <sighs> serving the Lord seems undesirable to you. I don't think this thing works. eh. Give or take. I don't know. If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. And Joshua's Joshua saying, listen, I've seen the land. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Give the Lord a great big hand cloud. Joshua was like, I'm putting this out there and I don't care what you think. Amen. I mean, those, those words are powerful. It seems undesirable. You know, Jesus seems undesirable to many people. There's some believers that Jesus seems undesirable to you. But he said the choice comes for every single one of us. Choose for yourself this day. Choose him. Choose him or choose the enemy. But Choose choose. Joshua said, hey, I've been there. I've seen the land. I've seen it over there. I've seen what it has to offer. And so he stands up the last chapter 24. He says, Joshua, he's just saying, listen, we're going to keep on fighting and we're going to, we're going to keep moving. Here's what he knew. And I want you to get this before we leave this place today is this. Are you ready? Good. (laughs) The grapes are reachable. The giants are defeatable, and you are no grasshopper. Amen. That is the word of the Lord for us today. Listen, the giants, hey, we got to realize they're defeatable in Jesus' name. The grapes, you can get to them even though you can't see them right now. Oh, they're reachable. And the giants, they are defeatable with God's help, and you are no grasshopper. Amen? How you see yourself will change who you are. How you see God will be reflected in what you do in the fight. So you fight and I fight by leaving the gray zone and declaring in the same way Joshua did that this is how we fight. It's an internal thing. We realize many times that the battle is first on the inside of us, pushing past the doubt, pushing past the fear, pushing past anything that is holding you back, that is making you settle. That's how we fight this thing. I said, that's how we fight this thing. No, I don't think you heard me today. That's how we fight this thing with God's help. Amen? Take action against what you don't want to do and fight for what you should be doing. The story in the Old Testament, 400 B.C., when the city of Jerusalem had been overwhelmed by their enemies, and their enemies had humiliated them to the point that where they tore the city down, they burned the houses, they, torn down, they tore down the walls, the people are absolutely defenseless, they are demoralized, they are impoverished, the Bible talks about, and a son of the city whose name was Nehemiah was off in another land serving the king. And he hears about his homeland, and he is heartbroken. And he prays, and God downloads a plan into his heart, and he said, listen... I'm going to rise up and I'm going to go because I know that my people that I love and my city that I, that I grew up in, that was, I was born there, and I have a vested interest there, that I'm going to rise up and go. And the king says, yeah, you should rise up and go. And uh, it's amazing what the king did to be able to support him. And he said this as you look to Nehemiah 4.14. I, I looked things over. He said, I stood up and said to the nobles, I said, I sat down. No, I stood up, I stood up. What did he do? I stood up, up to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your home. Nehemiah 414. And we realized as they went, there was a lot of distractions. Shouldn't be building that wall, shouldn't be doing that. Shouldn't do this. And we realized the scripture tells us in Nehemiah that they had a weapon in one hand and a tool in another. That we're going to go up on this wall and we're going to build it, but you're going to have two things in your hands. You're going to have to have a weapon to be able to defend yourself on the wall when people come up against you and they say things and they say things against you and they're, they're against And They just want that city to crumble. They want your business to crumble. The enemy wants your family to crumble. He says, listen, you're going to have to have a weapon. The weapon uh, is, is this, right? The weapon is the word of the Lord, 'Cause remember I'm not talking about going out and punching somebody in the face. I'm talking about fighting the good fight of faith. Right? I'm going to fight in that fight, that's what he's talking about. And so you get you get you get your sword and you get that out there and you know the word and because this is up close battle with the with the sword, you know. This isn't like gun shooting like it's far away. This is up close battle. That's where the sword comes into place. And you get on there, and you get on there with that, and you get on there with a tool because at the same time, you're going to be building. You're going to be building up the city. You're going to be taking care of it, and you're going to watch over your business. You're going to watch over your family, and you're going to watch over the things that God's put inside of your keeping and your care. That's what God has called us to do. That is our future. That is our future. So I would encourage you today, don't check out. Don't check out. God has promised us a future in Him. But well, you and I are going to have to fight for it every single day. Amen? We're not going to do it all right, but we're going to do it.